This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. And while you're doing, go ahead and pull out your, your program. And inside of it, there are two things you're going to want. One would be the Start Here card. Fill that out because uh, you're definitely going to want to use that this morning. The other one are these teaching notes. And, and they're big because I gave you a, a lot of ways to, um, to explore the thing we're talking about today, this week. So you're probably going to want to have that. Some weeks you might say, you know, it's not for me. This week you're going to want to take this home with you because it's going to give you some ways to, to practice some of the stuff we're talking about. And if you're brand new with us, I want to give you a special welcome. My name is Kevin. Uh, I'm one of the pastors, and I'll be guiding us for the rest of our time together this morning. And as you fill out your Connect card and get those notes ready for this morning, I want to ask you to think about this question. What would you say is the most valuable resource that you have? Don't shout it out, but what would you say is the most valuable resource that you have? Go ahead and think about that for a second. And when you've got that, the most valuable resource that you have, when you got that, just stare blankly. Okay, excellent. Good, you got it. Looks like you've all figured it out. Okay, how many of you would say the most valuable resource that you have has something to do with, with a monetary resource? Go ahead and raise your hand. A monetary resource. No one's going to judge you. We're in church. They can't. It's like a rule. No one. Okay, well, how many of you say that you're liars? How many? Okay. Okay. It's a joke. Whoa. How about relational? How many of you would say that the most valuable resource you have is some sort of relationship, a relational dynamic? Kids, parents, family, two or three of you. Yeah, you, oh, a lot of you. Well, look at that. You saw that I liked their answer, so you all raised your hand. Chickens. How about, uh, how about this one? Some of you are, are thinking, well, the, maybe the most valuable resource I have is intellectual, right? My, my mind and my brain, they actually function and form in a way that it, it's the thing that opens all these other doors for me. Those are all excellent answers, but I would humbly submit to you I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong. I would say this. I think the most valuable resource that we have is time. Here's why I'm going to say that. Because time is the only resource that you and I have that is decreasing by its very nature. And time is the only resource that we have that we cannot get more of. By the way, did anybody say time? Because you come here and preach. Okay? Well done, guys. Well done. You knew what I was going to say, though. She cheated. Uh, think about it for a second. We've all got a certain amount of time every day. Last time I checked, it was roughly 24 hours, and that that time is accounted for. We need to sleep for some part of that day. When we were in college, we tried to to fight that law, and we realized, no, actually, we do need to sleep at least a few hours of that day. We need to eat for some part of that day. If we have a job, we we need to work for some part of that day. So our day is already accounted for anywhere from maybe 15, uh, 10 to 15 to 18 hours, just by the very nature of sleep and work and and food. Here's the thing about time. Once time is run out, once the hourglass has been turned over and the sand has trickled through, it's done. And we can't get more of it. And it's gone. And we can exercise and try to be healthy and try to extend the time we have here on earth. But the truth is, once that time is up, and none of us knows for sure when that time is up, once that time is up, it's up. And there's no getting more of it. And we're in this series that we're calling Rethink It. And we're saying this, what would it look like to rethink some commonly held beliefs and views and thoughts about various topics 
Uh, and these might be thoughts that we, we all have opinions about, but some of us might actually have pretty strongly held convictions about. What would it look like to rethink various topics in light of what God says about these topics? And today I want to talk about time. This whole series came out of uh, one passage of scripture that a guy named Paul wrote to a church in ancient Rome when he talks about rethinking our lives. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Instead, be transformed by changing your mind, by renewing your mind. Because here's what we all know. We all know that the things we think flavor the things that we do. So Paul's saying, what if we started to change what we think? How would that flavor what we do? And he says, don't conform. Don't do what everybody else does. Don't think what everybody else thinks. Don't live like everyone else thinks. Instead, be transformed by renewing your mind. And when he says that, he's saying by looking at what God says about life. And here's the promise. He says, if you, if you do that, if you begin to rethink, rethink the way you think, then it will change the way you live. And you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And he says that God's will is actually, it's really good, really good, and it's pleasing. And he actually has a perfect will, a perfect plan for your life and for mine. So today what I want to do is I want to rethink the notion of time. And I've titled this sermon very cleverly, by the way. I've titled this sermon, Rethinking the Weekend. Duh. Rethinking the Weekend, because I couldn't figure out a way to rhyme it. So Rethinking the Weekend. Duh. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, good. I, th- I thought that was hilarious. I've got some more coming up in a few weeks, so just just wait. I was thinking, it's about time. That could be a good one, but rethinking the weekend, it won out. It won out. Because it's good. That's why you're laughing. Um, Here's what we all know, because we're not so different, you and I. We all know this, that starting in about our mid-20s or maybe our late 20s, even if the days seem to go slow, maybe you've got a newborn at home and the days are, are going slow, even if the days seem to go slow, Maybe you're in that first job and it feels like you're just, you're punching a time card. Even if the days seem to go slow, when we hit about our mid to late 20s, the years start to speed up, don't they? The days go slow, but the years go fast. My little girl Maddie uh, is starting first grade in two weeks. I can't believe it. I just, I'm blown away. I remember for, for the first four and a half years when she was just home every day to see me. My, weekday, my weekend is, is Friday and Saturday, so we'd have all day Friday and all day Saturday together. I remember bringing her home from the hospital, and she was, she was tiny, and now she's, she's such a big girl. Just yesterday, I took, uh, took her to our friend's pool, and she swam all the way across the deep end for the first time ever. I couldn't believe it. My, my little girl has grown up. The time is going by so fast. She's going into first grade, which means this— In roughly 11 years, she'll be graduating from high school and, and God willing, going to college. And in only about 15 short years, she's going to start dating. And that's terrifying. (laughs) I'm going to speak that into existence. So she's in school now. Maddie's in school full time. She's like, she loves school still, which is fantastic because she's only in first grade. Um, No, like, long division yet. But she's in school full time, which takes away our Friday. We don't have Friday together because she's... She's in school, and we have Landon, our little boy who's three and a half. He's getting ready for preschool now, which is so exciting. He's, he, oh, I love that guy. And then my wife, Maria, she works. She works part-time for a, a Christian ministry. She works from home, so she's a full-time mom, works part-time. She, you saw her uh, leading on the keys. She's one of our worship leaders, so she does a lot of that stuff, volunteering in various ministries. And so she's really busy. And then I work full-time, which my twin brother doesn't believe. He thinks I work only on Sundays. But no, I actually work I work full-time. Sunday's the beginning of my work week. He says it's the beginning and the end. So, but he just got out. He's a, he's a vice principal, so he just got done with seven weeks of vacation. So, you know, we're not going to—he's listening. That's for you, Todd. 
But here's what I'm realizing. Here's what I'm realizing. Time is becoming a precious commodity to my family, especially the weekend. And for my family, that really means especially Saturday. That is our weekend because Sunday I get here about seven and I stay here depending on meetings till three or four. Saturday is becoming a precious commodity. And how we spend that time is becoming a hot topic with my wife and I. So what I thought we would do today as we're talking about rethinking the weekend is I thought that I would invite my wife out uh, and we would just talk about how we are navigating the thing of time. So this is my wife, Maria. Why don't you welcome Maria onto the stage? Fun fact about Maria. Uh, Maria was raised in the Midwest, a conservative small town, about 9,000 people. They got a Starbucks like three years ago. That was a big thing in her small town. Uh, Midwestern, small town, conservative, uh, does not like to be up in front of the stage, you know, and then she married me. Ha <laughs> um, Not a small town guy. God is like, funny. God, God has a sense of humor, basically, is where I'm going with that. I yeah. So, um, so what I said to Maria, I asked her on Tuesday, hey, I'd like to team teach this with you. We've never done this before. I said, I'd like to team teach this, this Sunday with you. Here's what she said. I would love to do it. Promise me you won't embarrass me. I said, well can't make that promise. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, time will tell. So that's a little bit about, uh, about Maria. Um, and Maria, we've been married for coming up on eight years. September 23rd will be eight years of marriage. Uh, and that's yep. pretty exciting. Yeah, you don't have to clap, but you can. Um, well, either way. Oh my gosh, thank I'm you. I'm a survivor. I'm gonna make it. I just <laughs> I love being married to this guy. Are you kidding me? Embarrass me. It's a joke all day um, long. <laughs> Uh, and uh, what we realized was early on in marriage, and we just want to talk about how we have been navigating time. Early on in marriage, uh, we brought very different expectations into the weekend. And if you've ever like had housemates or uh, you're married, you know what that's like to bring very different expectations into the weekend. Mo, what were your opinions and hopes and expectations about the weekend when we got married? Uh, to get it done, get or done, uh, get as much stuff done as you possibly can from chores to grocery shopping. Well, that's a chore. All these are chores, laundry, grocery store, fix the car, fix the chores, kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, all, everything you needed to get done that you procrastinated, procrastinated about cause you were too tired to do the beginning of the week. You do at the end of the week. Yeah, so she, you were all about, about getting it done. Honey-do list would probably be a good one. Although yeah. you didn't call me honey, you just said do. <laughs> do. Be list. kind. My weekends went to one of two extremes. The first one would be activity. I love activity because I'm kind of a type A, but only fun activity. No, like no work activity. So, so go out, play games, be with friends, um, go on vacations, have an outing. I love to be out, love to be out around people, doing a bunch of stuff. Or the other extreme... Uh, was complete laziness, right? Sleep in, eat whenever I woke up, you know, 11, 12. Eat, watch TV, nap. This was before kids, obviously. You know, eat again, watch some more TV, go to bed. Those are my two extremes for the weekend. So as you can imagine, we had a little, we've had some conversating to be done. And conversing. And conversing about the weekend. Here's when it became tricky. About two and a half years into marriage, we got pregnant. No, we had Maddie. Just over two years into marriage, we had Maddie, our first child, uh, which our plan was to wait, you know, three, four, five years. And then, ten hey, years. Here, ten years, yeah. 
Either way. Either way. And, and then we had Maddie. What a gift she is. Yeah, I love her. But it changed our dynamic for the weekends, and especially as she's gotten older and more things have been happening, it changed our dynamics for the weekend. So about, what would you say, about three years ago, we decided to explore, does God say anything about the weekend? We know what we want for the weekend. Does God say anything about the weekend? And as we begin to explore it, God opened up some doors in the Old Testament of the Bible and in the New Testament of the Bible to help us start rethinking. I'm not saying that. Rethinking the weekend. Yeah, rethinking the weekend. That's all you, honey. So, so here's the overarching picture of what we discovered about what God says about the weekend. And then we just want to talk about some specifics, why God says it, why it's good. So go ahead. Why don't you tell, take us to our first yeah. uh, note? God created us to have a day off where you can Amen. experience rest, refreshment, celebration, and connection with God and our loved ones. God called the day Sabbath. 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 Sabbath is a term that maybe if you were raised in the church, you've probably heard, but, but we probably think, well, that was this thing that they did back then. That's not something we do now. But we, here's what we realized about Sabbath. We realized that God, God loves us so much. Now, just think about this for a second. God loves you so much that he wants you to stop for one day and take a break. Think about that. God loves you so much. He actually wants you to take a break. It's actually a law in the Old Testament of the Bible. He said it it made it into the big 10, the 10 commandments. He said, I love you so much that I just want you one day a week to stop. That word Sabbath, it means stop or cease. And the idea behind it was that we would stop our action, stop our doing. Even if it was really good, fun doing, if it was just making us go, go, go all the time, that we would stop so that we could, we could rest and we could be refreshed and we could celebrate, celebrate God, celebrate friendship, celebrate family, celebrate this beautiful place that we live and that we would connect, connect with each other and our friends and our kids. And ultimately we'd connect with God. And and this is what God talks about. This is one of the earlier places in the Old Testament where God talks about Sabbath. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is part of the Ten Commandments, where he says this, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That word holy means set it apart. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But that seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male and female servant, or your cattle, or the sojourner, that's, that's the, the traveler, the visitor that is staying among you. He said for six days, this is where this idea of Sabbath comes from. God actually instituted in the very beginning of the world. Verse 11 says, in six days, God made the heavens and the earth. He's taken us back to Genesis chapter 1, to creation, and the sea and all that's in them. And then God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord God blessed the Sabbath day. And he made it holy. He made it holy. And this was such a huge idea in the ancient world that about the time Jesus came onto the, the, the picture, and then just after that, the ancient Jewish people and the ancient Christian people who, who knew God, who followed God, this became one of the distinctives that set them apart from everyone else in the ancient world. Now here's why. Because in the ancient world, and this... Again, a lot of you guys are probably thinking, well, the Bible's totally outdated. It doesn't speak to me, and I get that. This is one of those places where the Bible's outdated, but bear with me. Um, In the ancient world, people rarely rested. You know what you're thinking? That's crazy. Why would they not rest? We totally rest now, but why didn't they do it back then? The Bible's so outdated, right? Terribly, yeah, terribly. I'm being sarcastic. I don't know if you know that or not. I'm trying. 
they were so busy. Here's why the people were busy in the ancient world. And tell me if you resonate with this at all. There was more to get done than there were hours in the day to do it. There was more to get done back in the ancient world than there were hours in the day to get done to do it. There's more to get done in the modern world than there are hours in the day to get done to do it. Even though we have electricity now and we can stay, literally, we can stay up 24-7 working, there's just, there's more to get done than we have time in the day to do it. But the ancient people, they said this, they said, we're going to trust God. We're going to trust God with our time. We're going to rethink the way we, we view our time, the way we look at time. So they said this, on that seventh day, we're not going to work and our kids aren't going to work. They said our servants aren't going to work. Our cattle's not even going to work. And I don't know how you stop a cow from working. Cows don't seem to work that hard in general, at least not the ones I see. But they're not even going to let the cows work, okay? Nobody is working on the Sabbath day. And here, here's why. Here's why they took it so seriously. And here's why Maria and I, as we've been exploring the idea of Sabbath in our family, and we've been practicing Sabbath probably two or three times a month for the last, I don't know, four years or so, three, four years. Um, here's why we take it seriously. Here's why we think Sabbath is so good. Because setting aside this day to rest and to celebrate, it reminds us who's in control. It reminds us that we're not in control, but that God's in control. And that we can trust God. You want, you want to talk about how that plays out for us a little bit? Sure. I love talking about control because I like being in control of things. Um, I struggle with this. I struggle with um, producing and getting it done and being in control. I just struggle with this. So um, the fact that God calls us uh, Sabbath to rest from controlling things um, is really hard for me. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, if we work harder and do more and produce more, that's um, when I find that I feel good about myself and have value if I can produce a lot. Um, but if I don't get stuff done, then I don't feel so good about myself. So I, Sabbath and control and this idea became a real identity piece for me where I was just struggling with, I have no worth because I didn't get what I wanted to get done, done. I had control issues around well, life in general. Because wouldn't you say that, that we live under the assumption most of the time, most of our lives, that we are in control, that we are masters of our own destiny? Yeah. And saying for one day I'm not going to work, it says, God, I'm going to trust that if I take myself out of my work environment, if I take myself off of social media, um, if I don't respond to that email or that text message, I'm going to trust that you are actually going to continue to hold the world together, mm-hmm. even though I can't. Yeah, and I just, I love this idea because the Sabbath forces us um, to say, you know what, God, you're in control. I feel like uh, the idea of giving God your time on the Sabbath fills the same heart space as giving God your tithe and um, giving and money. Um, It's the idea, can I trust God with my money? Can I trust God with my time? Do I trust that he's big enough, that he has my best interest in mind, that he can get done in six days, what I would normally get done in seven on my own, spinning my wheels. It's dizzying, this process um, of control. Yeah, because what Maria and I are finding more and more in our life is that every aspect of the Christian faith really is about who's in charge. Mm-hmm. Where do we put, put our trust? When it comes to parenting and trying to raise our kids right, or our marriage and trying to do that, if it comes to generosity and giving, and uh, am I going to trust that God, if I, if I trust him with my finances, he'll do more with the amount that I have than, he would do, than I could do with all of it. If I trust him with my parenting and, and do it the way he invites me to, that he can actually do more through that than I could do on my own. And all these things come back to trust. And Sabbath is a huge one because there's more to get done in 24 hours than, than we have time to actually do in a day or in a week. 
So that's one of the reasons why it just tells us who's in control. Uh, Another one that's been a really uh, big gift for us is setting aside this day to rest and to celebrate reminds, reminds us what's important in life. I've been invited to come and speak at Sonoma State in two weeks uh, to a Christian ministry there, and that's more, that's where I did my undergrad work. I love Sonoma State. It's one of my favorite places. And I was laying around thinking the other day, I feel like just yesterday I graduated from college, and I did the math in my head. I graduated from college 11 years ago. Are you kidding me? Where, where does the time, 11 years, that means the incoming freshmen, they were like six or seven when I, when I went to college. That's, that's, that's a little discouraging. I'll be honest with you. That makes me feel old. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but when, when I went to college, Kevin, you were like, not even a thought in your parents' eye, which I get. Okay, I get that. <laughs> time flies by, and it makes me think, when I take the time to slow down on Sabbath, it makes me ask this question, what do my loved ones, what do they really want? What do they really want from me, my loved ones? And if you're single, what do your friends, what does your family really want from you? Do they really want a new car, a great vacation, a bigger house, uh, a new ring. I want one of those. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but what do you want more than anything? This is not a trick question. What do you want, what do you want more than anything? Say I, want, it. I want time. You want me? Say no, it. I'm not saying that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Embarrassment. Our families, our families want us. They want us. They want our time. They don't want dad to be successful or mom to be successful over here doing all these other things. They want us. And when we slow down on Sabbath, we say to them, I love you so much that I'm going to give you the most valuable resource that I have, my time, my time. Uh, Setting aside this day to rest and refresh and to celebrate, one of the great gifts of it is it recharges us for the week ahead. Have you ever walked into work and, and had a case of the Mondays? Or you're just exhausted. You, you were going and going all weekend long. It could have been really fun stuff or it could have been just a drag and chores and other things. But you were going, going, going all weekend long. You got to Monday and you were absolutely exhausted. And you, you blamed your spouse or your kids for taking your time back then. You blame your boss for making you come to work today. Why? Because we have not recharged. But when God set up the world, he said, over the course of the week, work hard for six. And on the seventh day, rest so that you can be recharged for the coming six days. That's the way that God set up the world. Can I just say something to the people that have lists going on in their head all the time, like me? Um, So I was guilty of this this past weekend during our Sabbath, so I'm confessing, and hopefully this will help you. Um, A lot of times when I'm sitting in my Sabbath, my brain is just still going. My brain is not on Sabbath, but everybody else is. My body is, whatever. Um, So I just want to encourage you. I... Turned to Kevin in the car. I was like, Kevin, I didn't call so and so back, and I didn't go to the bank, and I didn't like. I literally was running through my to do list on our Sabbath, and Kevin turned to me and said, "Is your brain shut off? Turn your brain off. Your brain needs to be on Sabbath." So, I just want to encourage you with that. And just a little note for those of you who are internal processors or have that list going on: uh, turn your brain off on the Sabbath because turn your brain off to work and turn to, it on to well, being present. Right? Yeah, yeah, because that's just as exhausting when you yeah. get to Monday. Yeah, you want to kiss the Mondays. I don't want to kiss the Mondays. No, nobody does. So we want to talk about what it looks like specifically in our family when we start rethinking the weekend. I'm not saying it. Say it. It's fantastic. That's the best 
It's the best. Uh, here's what Jesus says about Sabbath, just to give us some context in the New Testament. The New Testament actually talks about Sabbath, and it kind of gets a bad rap because if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus has kind of given the guys who practice Sabbath a hard time, not because they practice Sabbath, but because they put all sorts of rules and regulations around it. So the trick is, how do we pull out what's really good, this idea of rest, without putting rules and regulations around it? Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2. Uh, he says, uh, the Sabbath was made for us. The Sabbath was made for man. Man does not, was not made for Sabbath. That basically means this. Don't set up a bunch of rules and regulations to try to keep this day holy. Instead, rest and celebrate. And then Jesus talks about himself in verse 28. He says, I am the Son of Man, and the Son of Man is the Lord, even over the Sabbath. And what that means is a few things. One, Sabbath is a gift from God. It's for our pleasure. It's not something we have to do, a law we have to keep. It's something that God wants to give to us because he loves us, because he, he knows that rest is so good for us and for those who we love and, and, and really for the community around us. And the other thing that Jesus says is that he created Sabbath for us. So there's no rules to Sabbath. There are no rules necessarily in the New Testament of the Bible about what you have to do to keep a Sabbath. But what we did was Maria and I went back and we looked at what some of the ancient Jewish rabbis and what some of the ancient Christians taught about uh, some guidelines to help practice Sabbath. And we pulled out five distinctive things that help us practice our Sabbath. And again, these aren't rules or regulations. It's an invitation, but these are some of the ways that we frame our Sabbath. And I want to talk to you, if you're here and you're single, this is absolutely for you. 90 plus percent of what I'm going to say, everything really but one thing I'm going to say is for single people as well as married people. And if, especially if you're a college student, I see some of you guys are here right now. More than ever, this is the time to set up Sabbath in your life. This is the time to get this going because I'm telling you, it will just bless you. It'll bless your college career. It will bless you when you're uh, a 20-something out in the workforce for the full, first time. And it'll bless you as you have families. But five distinctives to Sabbath. The first one is celebrating God. We want to celebrate God on the Sabbath. And the way that Maria and I do this is we just focus on the good things God is doing. We have a rule on Sabbath. No complaining on the Sabbath. So basically what that means is we don't talk about what God hasn't done yet, how things aren't working. We don't sit down and say, we need to have a, we need to have a budget talk today. That's not for Sabbath, okay? That's for Monday. We don't sit down and say, well, uh, there's some stuff we really need to work on in our marriage or in our parenting today. That's not for the Sabbath. Sabbath is about celebrating what God is doing right now, just celebrating that. So one of the things that we like to do is um, at some point throughout the day, not for like 10 hours, but at some point, I like to read my Bible not like study it and really dig in, but just, just read it and say, this is a love story from God. What does God want to say to me? And I spend time praying and we spend time uh, talking. And what are, you, what are you learning from God? What's God doing in your life? And, and we'll ask the kids, hey kids, what are you learning in kids ministry? And, and Maddie, our little girl, she always loves to sing songs. So she's always like making up random songs. So she'll just start singing songs. That's what Sabbath is. It's, it's, about, it's about celebrating, celebrating God and celebrating uh, the next one, celebrating family. This one, I, I can't overstate enough. Whether it's, it's your family or it's a, a close group of friends, uh, if you're single right now, or even if you're married, celebrating family is so huge. On Sabbath, one day a week, I take time to sit down with my family and, and tell them how incredible they are. I sit down with Maria and, and, and the kids, and we'll sit around maybe at lunch or at dinner or, or just sitting on the sofa, and, and I'll start with Maria, and usually, traditionally, the husband would start and he would speak to the wife, but it could be any way, and I'll say, Maria, I love you so much as the kids are watching, and, and I want you to know, I think you are, you're beautiful and you're fun, and I love spending time with you. 
I love the way that God's growing you in your, in your courage to be able to stand up in front of our church and uh, to share what he's doing in our lives. I, I love that I don't embarrass you so much anymore because you're just comfortable with us and with me. And, you know, come over. She told me I couldn't touch her because I really embarrassed I'm a survivor. her on stage. But... <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and then generally speaking, uh, the spouse would say it back to the husband. Here's what I'm seeing God doing in your life. And then we would turn to the kids and we'd say, um, like Maddie, I would maybe say to her something like this, Maddie, you are so brave. You swam across the deep end of the pool today for the first time ever. That's amazing. I just, I can't, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. You are such a big girl. You're, you're learning so much and you're so brave. Or, or maybe Landon did something that was kind that week, our three and a half year old. Landon, buddy, you are so kind. I just love to see what God's doing in your life right now. Uh, when, you, when you shared your toy with sister, that was awesome. That was awesome. Here's why that's so important, because think about just one day a week, just one, even if you only did this one day a week, to sit down with your spouse and tell them what God is doing in their life, how important they are to you, how important they are to the family, not because of what they produce, but because of who they are. Imagine how that would, would change your marriage. Just that one little thing. Parents, imagine what it would look like when your teens, when your kids get into the teen years and there's that there's that natural drift or distance because they don't know, can I trust mom and dad? Are mom and dad safe? Imagine if every week you sat down with your kids and you said, oh, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the five Ds today. I want to talk about how great you're doing in PE. You are an excellent athlete. Right? Six days, you can rail them about the other classes. But on the Sabbath day, what's the one thing? What's the one? Maybe they're a horrible student, but maybe they're a great musician. Maybe they're, they're totally kind. Maybe they're uh, not kind at all, but they're a great student. Worry about the character faults another day because as parents, we like to, you know, have our kids toe the line. But on one day, you just tell them what a gift they are. Imagine how that would keep the, the lines of communication open with your kids. Just, just one day, just one day. And then there's one thing that I, that I love, and, and maybe you want to share this next one. I'm not talking about that. You don't want to talk? It's really, it's a good one. Okay. Um, I put it in your notes because it's that important to me. Um, if you're married... If you, this is the one thing, sorry, singles, you're out. If you're married, this is a day, and just want you to know, not the only day, but a day, to be physically intimate with your spouse because you're celebrating the gift of marriage. This is a day. And uh, men, this is when you should be amening right now. This is a, this is a, God really is good. Wow, that's fantastic. What a, what, he's amazing. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the rabbis actually taught that. that yeah, you're getting a slow clap. That's fantastic. Boy. The rabbis in the ancient world actually taught this is a day to be physically intimate. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but this is because you're celebrating the gift of marriage, because you're celebrating that oneness that God brought together, because you're doing what God said, that what he brings together, let no one separate. We're going we're gonna to come together in the context of, I just I spoke words of love to you. You've spoken words of love to me. We, we are celebrating this day with our kids. It's not about all the things we have to get done. We're just resting together. I just want to say one thing, not about that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that is good, but I'm not talking about that. Um, the thing that I've seen in our family when we've started doing this, even though, as I'm sure you would agree, it feels awkward at first to have your husband like stand here and talk to you and tell you good things about you. It's just a little bit awkward. Or to look at the kids. Or, in front of yeah. 500 of my closest friends. But um, wouldn't you say, even though if it feels awkward? Yeah, push through. Push through. And because I've seen the results of it in our kids, the way that they talk to each other, the way that they talk to us. Sometimes I'll just catch Maddie saying, Mom, you're so kind. Or, Brother, I just, I love you so much. I just see that you're being so kind and sharing or whatever it is. You can hear him mirroring back those, hear them mirroring back what we've said to them and spoken over them. 
those good, healthy, true words um, mm-hmm. back to us and to each other. It's really awesome. You know, one of the things that I'm discovering in life is that God created us for deep, real friendships as well. And so whether you're single or married, this would be the time to gather your friends together as well and, and celebrate them. Tell them what you appreciate about them because we don't do that with our friends often enough. We don't tell them how important they are to us. But, but if you're single, gather your housemates together, your friends. If you're married, gather your friends together in this time, sometime and just share with them what they mean to you, how important they are. Usually we don't do that until our friends move away. And then it's too late. It's too late. And the next one is this. Um, we love to celebrate fun on Sabbath. Yes, we do, Kevin. Yes, we do. Um, our, 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 uh, Sabbath day is called Finkbeiner Family Fun Day. Um, I, it's even so cool. I've created a hashtag for it. Yeah, you know, uh, Finkbeiner Family Fun Day on Facebook. You can check it out. You can see all the fun things that we've done in our past Sabbath. Hashtag it. It's whatever you need to do, honey. Oh boy. Uh, anyway, um, we do all kinds of stuff. Uh, I want to encourage you to think of something that's unique to your family that you enjoy doing together. Um, we take the kids to the beach. We go to San Francisco. That's enjoyable for me, not so much for Kevin. Uh, we can go to the Russian River. You can take a hike. You can read. You can watch a movie. All these, all these things are whatever refreshes it's you. It's refreshing, yeah. yeah do, it, do it together with mm-hmm. the family. Do it with other friends, mm-hmm. you know, gather together. Um, yeah, rest. But something refreshing, yeah. right? Something refreshing. If you're a type A person, uh <laughs> Don't plan events for every moment of your Sabbath. That won't be fresh, refreshing, okay? That's what we tend to do sometimes. Even we, uh, this last Sabbath, we accidentally did that. We woke up. Maria woke me up. She's like, I'm making, I'm making waffles for everybody. Get out of bed. I'm like, no, no, this is Sabbath. It's like snooze, you know? Uh, but so I'm going to snooze you. Go, yeah, I'll bet you are. Um, so we got up and we made waffles and then we went to the, the park with the kids so they could play. Then we ran home for a quick nap and then we went to the beach and then we got home and the babysitter was coming and we went out on a date and we got to the end of our date uh, and it was like, I think we actually overbooked our day of rest. I am exhausted. So, so this is something we're trying. We've been doing this for three years, but we're still trying to figure it out. Um, so, so if you're a type A, don't overbook your Sabbath. Enjoy your Sabbath. Call up another family or group of friends. Let's have a barbecue. Let's go to the beach. Let's play some horseshoes. Let's play some volleyball. Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, watch, let's watch a football game. Not watch TV all day, but let's watch the Bears, beat the Packers, something like that. Yeah. You know, important yes. stuff. Important stuff. Now you're, preaching, family fun day. Now, I'm now preaching. you're preaching. Uh, another one, the last two are this. Celebrate service. Celebrate service. Do something to serve. Uh, one of the great things of Sabbath is it trains us to serve. So serve someone in your family. Serve your neighborhood. Do something nice for your neighbors. Serve in the church, maybe. Sunday might be a good Sabbath day for you and your family to come and serve in the church and then to, to explore the afternoon together. For us, um, Saturday is Sabbath. But I'm not, if, you, if your family's off on, on Thursdays because that's your day off, do Sabbath on Thursday. It's not so important. It's not rules. It's an invitation, but service is part of that. And then one of my favorites is, is food. Celebrate good food. The ancient teachers taught that, that on, the, on the Sabbath day, a meal should be, should be savored with those you love. I have a buddy who's a pastor in Southern California, and he lost about 150 pounds. And so he's, he's you know, big on eating healthy and exercise, but he has this rule because he's the one who taught me about Sabbath. He said, um, God doesn't count calories on the Sabbath. And I don't know if that's biblical, but I like it. I like it. Uh, so, so go crazy on the Sabbath and ask for forgiveness on Monday. You know what I mean? Like, but talk over food, laugh over food, sit and linger over a meal. When was the last time you just sat with your family and, or, or your friends and just lingered over a meal for a few hours? Just lingered over it. 
It's a great thing. For us, what we do usually on our Sabbath is we'll sit down with the kids because they go to bed early, like at 6.45. So we'll sit down with them and have an early meal where they eat, and we'll, eat, we'll snack a little bit, and we'll do some of our sharing and celebrating what God's done that day. But then we'll usually go back into the kitchen after they go to bed, and we'll just cook a nice long meal together, and we'll talk, and we'll laugh. I'll, we'll turn on Pandora, and I'll sing 80s love songs oh. usually. Um, <laughs> which is really fun. It's fun for everyone. We dance sometimes yeah. in the kitchen, you know, real romantic type stuff, you know. It's very, it's, it's great. We love the Sabbath, and then we just enjoy what God's been doing. And some of us are thinking right now, as we wrap our time up, and I'll, let's just talk about this for a second. Some of us are thinking, that sounds great, but there's no way I could ever do that. There's no way I could take one full day and set it aside just to rest. And I, I get that. I would say this. Remember, Sabbath is an invitation, not an expectation. It's an invitation from God, not a, a rule you have to keep. It's an invitation to rest because he loves you and he knows that rest is good for you. So uh, a couple of things you can do to help make Sabbath feel like an invitation and not an expectation. One would be know what your priorities are for your family. Know what your priorities are. Our priority for our family is that they would love us and love spending time with us and that they would love God. Those are our two kind of our top priorities and everything else flows out of that. Not that they would be the best at sports, um, not that they would have the best vacation or, or cars or whatever, but that we would love each other, spending time together, and, and love God. Therefore, Sabbath just, it opens the door for us to spend time together and, and love God and celebrate God together. Know your priorities. And then Maria does a lot of the, the practical getting us ready for Sabbath because uh, she's awesome. So talk about what you do to kind of get us ready. I just, um, it's, it's a brain space combined with your heart space. You have to plan ahead. You have to schedule your week so that when you get to Saturday or Sunday or whatever your Sabbath day is, you can be fully present and turn the list off. And um, if you do it right, I do a lot of my chores and shopping and whatever at the beginning of the week and the evenings or, you know, I turn the TV off sometimes. Ooh. I turn off Facebook. I get stuff done. I pay bills. Sometimes I pay bills during my lunch hour, you know, like just so I can, because I know it's coming. I'm excited about it, and I want to be able to rest mm -hmm. and recharge. And the only way I know how to do that is to just do a little bit more each day so mm -hmm. I can be ready. Yeah, when God says work on six days and on the seventh day rest, part of our Friday is, is chores and housework and, and sometimes grocery store and get the car fixed on Friday. So Saturday, we have that day set aside. So we, we actually work on Friday so we can rest on Saturday, uh, and that's been really helpful for us. And again, I just, uh, I want to say one of the things to do is communicate. If you have housemates that you're doing this with, or if you're married, communicate your hopes for the Sabbath. Like, if you want to sleep in, communicate that. I, I would say no alarms on the Sabbath. Uh, I got to sleep in uh, not that long ago till, like, and this is crazy, till like 7.45, okay, before my kids woke me up. That's like two hours later than normal, so amen to that. Communicate your hopes. Talk about what you want to do. The worst thing to do on Sabbath is to wake up and get in a fight about what you're going to do on Sabbath. That's really not um, what God's going for there. And then just imagine, just imagine, just dream, just dream. What could God do if you took a day to rest? What could God, God, what could God do? Not what could you do. What could God do in your marriage if you took a day to rest, to celebrate? What could God do in your parenting? If you took a day to rest? What could, what could God do to deepen your friendships if you took a day to rest? What could God do? Some of you are thinking, but I've already got all these things I do on the weekend, whether it's sports or activities or whatever. I would say this, there's no rule around it. Just ask the question, is this recharging our family? Is this recharging my friendships? Is this recharging or is it not? And if it is, incorporate it in. And if it's not, 
you have to make the choice. What do you want? What do you want for your weekends? Is you're rethinking the weekend. That's excellent. So good. People won't forget it. They will not, because that's awesome. That's why they won't forget it. Thank you very much. Um, I'll close with this. Sabbath is a gift. I believe it's one of the greatest gifts God has given us, but it is not the greatest gift God has given us. The greatest gift, the number one greatest gift that all of his other gifts flow out of is that one day, one day God looked from heaven down to earth and we had been separated from God by our sin. Sin are those destructive thoughts and words and actions that we do and say and think that are hurting us, hurting people and separating us from God. One day God looked down from heaven to earth and he saw that we had been separated from him and God did the unthinkable. God left heaven and came to earth in Jesus Christ and he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, the sin that we deserved so that we could be forgiven of our sin, so that we could be restored, so that we could be healed. Why did he do it? He did it for the same reason that he gives the Sabbath because he loves us and he has a plan for our lives. But it starts by understanding that ultimate gift of Jesus' death and resurrection, and then seeing that all these other gifts flow out of it. And if you're here today and you've never experienced that ultimate gift, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never entered into a personal relationship with him, I want to give you a chance to do that today. And you can do it by simply praying a prayer of commitment and starting this journey with him. That prayer is not the end of the journey, it's simply the next step for you in exploring the realities of the depths of God's love. So would you join me? Let's pray together. And I'm going to pray for all of us first, and then I'm going to pray for you specifically if you're ready to make that choice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give us the gift of rest. Thank you that in your wisdom, you set up the world in such a way that we could rest on one day and, uh, and celebrate. Celebrate you, celebrate friendship, celebrate family, celebrate living in Sonoma County in this beautiful place that we could simply rest, refresh, and celebrate Thank you, God, that you promise us, and you've been showing Maria and I over the past four years, that even when we say we're going we're gonna to disconnect for the day, we're not going to try to hold our lives together today, we're going to trust you to hold us together. Thank you that you've been faithful, not only to hold the world together, but to hold our world together. And I pray for my friends as they begin to explore uh, this invitation into Sabbath, that you would be proving faithful to them when you say you blessed the Sabbath day, that it would become a blessing in their life and a joy. And would, would they begin to say what, what we've begun to say in our family? Is it Think Finder Family Fun Day yet? Is it Sabbath day yet? Because it's such a great gift. Where would you be doing that work right now? I'm, I'm asking you on behalf of my friends, would you do that? As we continue to pray, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, today is your day. God couldn't love you more than he does. All the gifts he gives you, he gives you because he loves you. And the greatest gift he ever gave was when he gave his life on the cross. So if you're ready to say yes to him, you can repeat these words. You can whisper them where you're sitting or repeat them in your head and and mean them with everything in you. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I accept your gift. Today I say yes to the invitation that you're giving me to start a relationship with you. I believe that you died on a cross to pay for my sins. So would you come into my life, Lord? And would you forgive me of my sin? And I ask God that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward throughout my life, trusting you as I walk from this world into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm so excited for you if you made that decision. And in fact, I want to know about it. But first, uh, thank you, Maria. Thanks for sharing with us today. Can we give Maria a hand? She's fantastic. I just love you so much. You're awesome.
We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.